So we have been talking. Uh, the, the series that Stuart and I have been doing, and I know we get interrupted because we love the fact that um, so many of you get to speak and preach and talk, and we want to hear what you know God is saying to each of us. We don't believe that Stuart and I have like all the... The, the knowledge, um, you know, all the revelation from God. We absolutely believe that, you know, we as a body carry God's revelation. And so we need to hear from each other. So that's super important to us. Um, so we love that. The downside about that is that sometimes we start a series and about three years later, we finish it. <laughs> so we're still in this series that Stuart and I have been talking about, where we've been talking about what does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus and what does that look like? So to be a disciple, that's the word that the Bible uses is disciple, but it doesn't really mean anything in our culture um, because in our culture, we don't have disciples. Um, and the, even the word student doesn't really mean anything because you know a student doesn't try and be like their teacher. They try and learn whatever their teacher is teaching them. An apprentice is kind of the nearest we would probably get to that, but it still doesn't quite encompass everything because uh, uh, an apprentice of Jesus not only wants to be with Jesus, they want to become like Jesus and they want to do what Jesus has done. That's our aim. That's what, what, what we're about. We don't want to just have Jesus in our life. We want to actually become like Jesus and we want to do what Jesus says and we you know we spend a lot of time talking about that don't we because we talk about healing and miracles and sharing our testimony and doing the things that Jesus did and there are some things that we call practices of Jesus or disciplines of Jesus um, that we have talked about and um, I talked about silence and solitude if you can remember that and I hope that you're all still trying to practice silence and solitude I know I know we're still trying to to practice silence and solitude as part of our walk with God and uh, we Stuart did a great series on Sabbath and we really kind of talked about that lots and I hope you've been uh, I know from conversation even with morning with Rob that um, you know you, you're trying to implement that into your life and we're really battle with what does this look like if we're to be an apprentice of Jesus we're to do the things that he did and if he Sabbath we should Sabbath um, and so I am going to talk about another one that actually culturally and historically um, is an interesting one and one that we probably struggle with a little more and I actually don't find a lot of Christians talking about this practice of Jesus and I wonder whether you can guess which practice of Jesus it might be fasting well done John straight to it fasting and I think culturally this is a difficult one for us because culturally in the west people have a lot of body issues don't they like we know there's you know a lot of body dysphoria um, people have eating disorders um, and so culturally fasting is a difficult one for us um, and if we were to fast uh, people would think about actually going to a fitness guru rather than it being part of the church because uh, you know uh, like Deborah and Stuart and I are all doing intermittent fasting you know that's that's about a health reason to do fasting and um, you know all we associate it in Bradford we associate it with Islam don't we because Islam does Ramadan and they fast for the month of Ramadan and um, you know so we kind of think well it's the religious it's not a practice of Jesus. It's those that are religious that do it. And there is a lot of medical evidence that fasting is beneficial. Apparently, it helps your metabolism. It helps with your weight management. It supports your blood sugar levels, improves your gut health. It improves your heart health. It helps prevent diseases. It helps delay aging. So that's why Deborah's looking more useful by the day is because she's been doing this for a long time. Um, supports your circadian rhythm, which is all to do with your sleep. Um, it aids your brain health, and it helps reduce anxiety. So there's lots of medical benefits that are proven medical benefits to fasting um, and yet 
we still struggle to do it and we don't talk about it very much in the church. And it's interesting because historically, actually, the Jews did fast. So the Day of Atonement was the one day that um, they all fasted. So that was a, a big fast that the, 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 the Jews did. But actually, historically, the Jews then took on fasting two times a week. And, and they actually, it's, it's, Jews today will still fast two days a week. Yeah. And so when, because obviously the early Christians were Jews principally, when, when the Jews became Christians, they fasted for two days a week, but they changed the days of the week. I think it used to be Monday and Thursday, and they changed it to Wednesday and Friday because Wednesday and Friday more went with the Christian week because Wednesday was the day as Jesus was going into Holy Week of the kind of um, betrayal and everything else that was about to happen, and Friday was the, the, the day when Jesus was crucified. So they, they, they took Wednesday and Friday as their fast days. Obviously, Sabbath was more a feasting day, um, and so... That's kind of how it rolled. And actually, you know, that continued. Well, can, I, can any of you guess? John probably knows the answer to this. So don't you, John, answer it, because I feel you might have read the same book as me. So um, and can you guess when that lasted until? Which century it might have continued until? 19th, 18th. Well, it was John Wesley, which I think is 17th. 18th century, 1700s. Yes, I always get my, my centuries and my years mixed up. So... John Wesley, actually, I mean, that's like, you know, we think of him as fairly recent history and some, you know, considering the history of the world and the last, you know, couple of hundred years. So Christians fasted for centuries, literally for centuries. And then it stopped around, I mean, John Wesley continued to fast, the Methodists continued to fast. It was part of the method that, they, that the Methodists had, that they fasted. Um, and then it was sort of after that, it started dwindling out. And there's probably multiple reasons why that's the case. You know, so our society here in the West is very based on a Greek mindset, uh, a platonic mindset. And so we separate body, soul and spirit. So we have a mistaken understanding that we can be spiritual, but do what we like with our bodies. Now, we might not take that to an extreme. Obviously, we know that reading some of the New Testament, that some people took that to an extreme, that they were into sexual immorality, immorality and all sorts of stuff that they shouldn't have been into, and at the same time, were, you know, being Christian. Um, now, we might not take it to that extreme, but we certainly kind of have a kind of disconnection with our spirits and our bodies because we have a misnomer that we think that we're going to be resurrected spiritually and that our bodies don't have anything to do with it. Now I hope none of you believe that because Stuart has done some great sermons on what happens when we die and has talked about that when he did his revelation series he talked about that that we actually are going to have a bodily resurrection and our physical body is important. We are body, soul, and spirit now, and we will body, be body, soul, and spirit then. Yeah. So don't think that just because we physically die means that we are not going to be body. We are going to be body. So actually, if, if it's important enough for God to take our body into eternity, then we have to not ignore it now. Yeah. Um, so I think there's this whole thing about the Greek mindset, but that also has led us into being a very hedonistic society. If you don't know what that means, that just basically means a very kind of I-motivated society, that I do what I want. And um, even within the church, we hear people talking about that. So I've had conversations with people about fasting, some of our students and other people about fasting, and I've heard people tell me, well, I'll fast when God tells me to. Hmm. I'm sure it says when you fast in the Bible, not if you fast. 
Yikes. Okay, so do we need to be told to do things that God has already commanded us to do? No. Like, you know, we don't, we don't have to be commanded to worship. We don't have to be commanded to read the scripture. These are things that are just meant to be part of our life. They're part of who we are as Christians. And then I hear people saying things like, well, I, I do fast because I don't watch the TV, or I give up social media. But do you know, biblical fasting is always about food. There isn't one, now I know they didn't have TV and social media in those days, and I'm not saying that it's not a good thing at times to abstain from things, because there is certainly a biblical precedent about abstaining from stuff, and that's another spiritual practice that we could maybe look at another time. So there is good reason at times to abstain from certain activities in order to have our focus on God. But fasting is not abstention. Okay, so they're not the same. So, you know, if we call a fast and you kind of think, oh, well, I'll just give up TV for the day. That's not fasting. That's abstaining. Okay. Um, so we need to kind of understand what fasting is. And I know for me, like I have been, obviously, as you know, a Christian, like 47 years. You know, I, I, it's, it's a long time. I know. Yeah. I know. And I'm only 21. How is that possible? I don't know. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> yeah, if only. Um, and I don't remember in my early years as a Christian, you know, and I was, you know, I had a lot of good biblical teaching in my early years as a Christian, in my early church, church life. But I don't remember any of that being about fasting. I don't remember it being, when people talked about spiritual disciplines, they talked about prayer, reading the Bible, about coming to church, about sharing your faith. But nobody talked about fasting. I don't remember that at all. I probably don't remember hearing a sermon on it until Stuart spoke a sermon on it at one point in our last, last church. And I, and I don't know about you, but I know for me, and I want to be really honest with you because I don't want to... I don't want you to hear the sermon and think, oh, well, obviously Liz is fasting like, you know, 40 days every you know, couple of months because, you know, that's not true. Um, so I want to be real with you. So probably I have over my Christian life dipped in and out of fasting. I've had times where I've been consistent with it. I've had times where I've been completely inconsistent with fasting. Um, I, you know, some days I've managed a day a week and then other times I've struggled to even miss one meal a week. Um, uh, as a young mum, I found it really difficult to be making meals three times a day for my kids and not eat them. So, you know, just practically, I, I, I did find that really, really difficult. Uh, and just the whole chaos of, you know, young family life, I found it difficult to maintain a pattern of fasting. And over the last few years, obviously, that's not been my reason. Um, I have over the last few years, managed to be much more consistent with fasting. And I will have maybe like a few months or a few weeks where I manage to kind of like fast regularly once or twice a week. Um, and usually what I try and do is like I do 24 hours, I do from one evening meal until the next one. So I have a period of 24 hours where I don't eat, which um, works, works well for me. And um, yeah, so I, I, I have tried to be more consistent, but then things happen, like, you know, I break my foot, and then it's like, well, what do I do now? And I, this week I have tried to fast, but actually I've only managed like a, a meal or, or two meals. I've not managed to do a whole 24-hour period. Um, and I haven't, you know, when we interviewed a couple, a few summers ago, Stuart and I did these summer sessions, and we interviewed Randy Clark as one of the summer sessions, which was beautiful. I mean, what a nice guy Randy Clark is from Global Awakening in, in America. And, um, and he said to us, he said, oh, I'm not, 
I'm not great at fasting. I don't, you know, like Heidi and Bill, Heidi Baker and Bill Johnson do like 40 day fasts. He said, I haven't done many 40 day fasts. And I'm thinking many, which means you have done at least one or two. Um, he said, I, 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 but I, I, I do seven day fasts, but it's not often. And, and I'm thinking seven days. <laughs> um, yes, that's what they tell you. Yes, it's true. It's true. So I'm working towards, that's my aim, is to get towards three-day fast and then seven-day fast and that to become a regular pattern. And then once I'm at seven days, I will start appraising, can I get to 40? Um, so I'm not coming to you like saying that this is an area of my life where I'm amazing. I'm not like Heidi Baker. I'm not like Bill Johnson. I mean, I love Heidi because she um, fasts and doesn't seem to kind of, she seems to go without her 40 days without food, without um, it being a big issue. Bill is hilarious. Have you ever heard Bill talk about fasting? He talks about how many cookbooks he yeah. buys and he buys like food processors and lots of equipment for the kitchen and, and watches food shows when he's fasting. So I love Bill because I feel like I, I resonate more with where Bill's at than where Heidi's at. Um, so I want to take you a bit of my journey of where, how, what I've been processing about fasting. And, and I, I've really had this sense, you know, I've been praying into for a while now, like, because there are, we do see a lot of breakthrough and I am so grateful for the healings we've seen and the mental health that we see restored and, and the situations of restoration that we've seen. Like we have seen literally hundreds of people, you know, over the years of running the school, of going after healing. We have seen hundreds of people have their healing, seeing situations restored and all of that. And I'm so grateful, but I am sat here with two broken feet. You know, I know some of you are sat here with situations in your family where we've been praying and praying for them and they're not, we haven't seen the breakthrough yet. I know that, you know, there are situations, um, you know, that we're praying for worldwide that we're not seeing the breakthrough for. And I, and I do absolutely believe that contending is part of the answer to that. I do believe that we, there's a level of contending that God is calling us to. And, and I think, you know, in the future, we'll get Danielle to do some discussion with us about that and, and talk about that. But I actually also think fasting is one of the keys to this. And I think those two things probably go together. Um, I think there's an, a, an overlap with these two things. So why should we fast? Just very simply, why should we fast? Well, uh, firstly, Jesus expects us to. He doesn't say if we fast. He says when you fast. In Matthew 6, verse 16 to 18, it says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So it says, Verse 16 starts when you fast. Verse 17 starts when you fast. It's not an if. It's not a, you know, should we wait and pray and see whether this is something the Lord wants us to do. It is is just part of what we do. Now, we, the motivation shouldn't be uh, out of religious duty because, you know, that's what this is telling us is that the Pharisees were fasting. They were doing their twice a week fasting and they were doing it out of religious duty and they were doing it so that everybody knew they fasted you know everybody would see because of the clothes that they're wearing what they were putting on their head or not putting on head they weren't putting their normal oils on and all of that stuff and so they looked like they were fasting so he, Jesus is saying to us I want you to fast but you don't need to make a big deal about it to everybody yeah. and um 
you know, that's really important, isn't it? The motivation of our heart is important, which is why it can't become a religious duty and why Stuart and I are not going to say to you, you have to do this, but it's an invitation. Like, do we want to see more breakthrough? Do we want to go closer to Jesus? Well, if the answer to that is yes, then I want to do what Jesus does. And he did this. He did it. So Jesus' presumption is that you will fast. Um, but his concern is that we'll do that without showing off when we are fasting. He's attacking the attitude, not the practice. So we don't have to ask God, is this part of our life? The answer is, if we want to follow Jesus, then we just need to get on and do it. Secondly, it needs to be a lifestyle, not a one-off. So in Mark 9, um, there's the whole story about when Jesus... Um, this boy is brought to Jesus and the disciples have tried to pray for him and um, he's not been healed and Jesus prays for him and he is healed and at the end of that the disciples ask after the guy and his son have gone away why didn't we manage to see healing and Jesus says to them this kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and fasting but in the story do we see Jesus do either of those things no we neither see him pray or fast so he had a lifestyle of praying and fasting. So he didn't have to, you know, when there was a situation, I think often what we end up doing with prayer and fasting is something happens, you know, a difficult situation happens and we go, oh, we better pray and fast about that. Yeah. Because we're not living a lifestyle of it. So it becomes a, like a, a crisis response. And it's not meant to be a crisis response. It's meant to be a lifestyle that we're living so that when those situations arise, it's like, Actually, already we're connected and, and able to minister into that. So how many of us want to see more healing? How many of us want to see more deliverance? Yeah, how many of us want to see more people saved? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the challenge then is we need the lifestyle of this. We as the church, and it can't just be like one or two of us being like great fasters. You know, we as a church need to have a lifestyle of fasting. But I think we need to have it from the right understanding because I know when I've heard people talk about fasting um, that what it often feels like is that it's some sort of strange hunger strike that people go on to kind of beg God, you know, a bit like people go on hunger strikes for things, you know, to kind of change the authorities' minds. Well, it feels like, you know, we're doing this, that, you know, God doesn't want to do something. So we'll starve ourselves and kind of go, God, you better do it before I die. <laughs> and it, 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 there is that sort of weird mentality that we have about, about fasting. And I don't actually believe that's true because God's a good God. Like, we know he wants to heal. Like, it's his heart's desire. We know he wants to bring restoration. We know he wants salvation for people. Like, it tells us his heart is that all will be saved. We know that everyone who came to Jesus was healed. So we can't look at any situation and kind of go, well, God doesn't want that. We have to somehow convince him that he wants to do it. So if that's not the issue, then what is the purpose of fasting and why, why do we do it? Well, I'm going to hopefully start talking about that today it's not I'm not going to finish talking about it today this is going to be more than one talk for sure I think also the other thing that has been for me a block to fast fasting is I've seen that it takes me to a place of weakness not strength and I was really challenged about this recently because if you look at Luke chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 
it talks about Jesus. So Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. This is after he's been baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. I feel that's one of the Bible's understatements. Like after 40 days, I'd be like, I'm going to eat Stuart. So <laughs> watch out, Stuart, if I ever do a 40-day fast. Um, but where in that does it say that he was weak? Actually, he was in a place of spiritual strength through the fast because the devil comes to him three times and three times he's able to bat him straight away. You know, when, we, when we're tempted by stuff, do we have a 100% hit rate? Ooh, I don't think so. I don't think I have a 100% hit rate. So actually, Jesus' fasting was a place that the Holy Spirit took him into, was a place of strength, not weakness. And I think... When we fast, yes, it may affect our physical bodies, but actually we are brought into a place of strength when we fast, not into a place of weakness. And I think we've missed that. I think we've, I know that I have had, and I, I feel like this is something that we in the church in the West has had, we've had such a wrong understanding of fasting that it's, it, it actually makes us weaker in him and not stronger in him. And it does make me wonder, when we're struggling with temptation, is that because we don't fast? You know, is there something that we need to think about with that? So let me just touch on what are the types of fasting we do. Let's get that, that, those out of the way. They're all to do with food. First of all, there's a normal fast. So it talks about um, Jesus in Luke 4 verse 2, he ate nothing. It, didn't, it doesn't say in that that he drank, drank nothing. It just said he ate nothing. So we'll presume that for 40 days, because we can't go more than about three days without water, that he was drinking, but he didn't eat in that. So that's a, a kind of normal fast. And um, with the absolute fast where they eat or drink nothing, and Paul did that. So after, well, he was still Saul at this point, after he had had the Damascus Road experience, he eats and drinks nothing, it tells us in Acts 9, verse 9, um, for three days until Ananias comes to pray for him and his blind eyes are opened. In Esther 4, verse 16, it talks about a complete, absolute fast. Again, she did a, th a three-day fast, and I think called the nation of Israel to, to that fast as well. Moses did it in Exodus 34, 28, and in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 9, um, verse 18 and 18. So that's an exceptional measure, to go without food and drink for, for three days. And, and those fasts are never usually, aren't more than three days because we can't cope without food and, and water for more than three days. Um, but they're for exceptional situations that, you know, Esther was right up against the wall. She was going to go into the king's presence uninvited. That was a huge thing because you normally only went into the king's presence uninvited. And she was going to plead for her people. So she called this fast of absolute fast um, so that she was ready and able to go into that situation, you know. So all the, all the situations that are outlined about absolute fast are those kind of like critical, you know, we're really up against it type situations um, when an absolute fast happens. And then 
Some people would argue that we also see in the Bible partial fasts. So in Daniel 10 verse 3, he talks about, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth. So he basically did a fast. And some people talk about this as the Daniel fast. Um, he did it at the beginning of Daniel as well. It talks about them fasting and just eating vegetables um, as well. And, and people talk about that. But actually, if you look in Daniel, it is never talked about as a fast. It is talked about as a restriction on their diet, but it's never talked about as a fast. So some Christians would say that a partial fast is not really a fast. Um, it's maybe a good thing to do for certain times, again, to focus your mind on praying. But it's, it, in the Bible, that's, that Daniel fast is never called a fast. But you can buy books about Daniel fast. There's a website about Daniel fast. It's quite a popular thing. I wonder whether it appeals to us because we don't have to go complete without food. So I wonder whether that actually, personally, I kind of think, is that an, an interesting one for us as Westerners? You know, whether we've jumped onto the Daniel fast as why, well, this is our get out of not having to properly fast. Yes, it's true. Yeah. They do a Daniel fast for health reasons. Yeah, and it can be a good thing to do for health reasons because certainly when we read in the early chapters of Daniel, when Daniel did that, um, the Daniel fast, obviously he just called it a fast. Well, he didn't call it a fast. When he did his, his, his special diet, I mean, it talks about them being super healthy, doesn't he, that they, they actually were. So absolutely, people might do the Daniel fast for health reasons. But just to understand that biblically, it, it's not ever called a fast. So you have to make your own judgment about that one. So I'm really, this time and next time, I'm going to talk about kind of why we do fasting, what, what's the purpose in fasting and, and why we should we do it, if, well, not should do it, but why we're invited into doing it, why, why these practices of Jesus that help us become more like him and help us do the things that he did, we're invited into. Um, and so I'm going to talk about one of those reasons today, and then I'm going to leave the other reasons to the next time I, I talk. Um, and... There is, if you're kind of thinking, well, there's a big biblical kind of chapter that you're missing out this time about fasting. I am. That's Isaiah 58. What I w want you to do is to read that before the next time we come and we'll talk about Isaiah 58 next time because it is such a key chapter about fasting and our attitude in fasting and what, what the purpose of fasting is. But I want to explore that more next time because I don't have time to really deep dive this time into that. So the first thing... First reason, and one of the big reasons why we, we, we will fast, is fasting amplifies our prayers. And there's lots of examples in the Bible of God answering prayer after people have prayed and fasted. Um, in, in this Bible verse in Ezra, we see that um, he's praying for the safe journey of his people to return to Jerusalem. So in Ezra 8 verse 23, it says, we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. So they fasted and prayed, God listened, and then the people got safely back to where they needed to be. So there's lots, of, I mean, you could do a search on the Bible, just type in the word fasting and then read the stories, and you will see that there's just time and time and time again where, you know, the people are praying for something, they fast over it, and that there's this shift that happens and in Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it talks about if we seek God with our whole heart. 
And I want to link that verse, doesn't specifically talk about fasting, but I want to link it with Joel 2 verse 12, where it says, turn to me with your whole heart with fasting. And I think there is something about fasting that helps us clear out the, the ugh of our heart and give our whole selves to him so that we can have our prayers amplified. Because there's so much, you know, when we pray, we pray with so much clutter in the way. And there is something that fasting does that clears out the clutter, if you like. So one of the books I've been reading, and I would highly recommend it to you, it's probably the best book I've ever read on fasting, is by a guy called Arthur Wallace. And it's called God's Chosen Fast. And it's a, it's a lovely little book. It's quite easy to read. Um, and I'm going to give you quite a few quotes from him because I just thought he was brilliant. Um, but one of the things he says is, when a person is willing to set aside the legitimate appetites of the body to concentrate on the work of praying, they are demonstrating that they mean business, that they are seeking with all their heart and will not let God go unless he answers. I love that. You know, that when we're setting aside the legitimate needs of our body, because obviously it is a legitimate, food is a legitimate need of our body. We can't go out without it forever. But when we choose to go without food for however long, a meal, a day, or three days, seven days, or 40 days, we are saying to God, God, actually you are more important. And this situation that I'm facing is more important than those body needs. And so I am going to seek you with all my heart. So it isn't about going on hunger strike, but it is more complicated than, than us just, you know, God is a loving father. We know that we can easily ask him for things, but we are in a spiritual battle. And it's, rec it's this recognition of this spiritual battle that we're in, that if prayer is warfare and wrestling at times, you know, sometimes it's just us going to our daddy and saying, daddy, I need this. And other times we know that it's like that wrestle and it's that battle because we are really kind of like fighting in prayer for something. And fasting helps us in that um, as we kind of do that. I remember when Donna was here, she shared a story of a picture that she'd had um, when she was praying. And if you think about it, we're, we're in the first heaven. The second heaven is where demons and angels are battling. And then third heaven is where God is reigning and ruling supreme, okay? And she saw a picture that when she prayed, it was like the angels who had um, quivers, is it quivers the right? Uh, full of arrows on their back. It was like her prayers went in and filled up the arrow, gave them, gave them more arrows so that they were able to then shoot them at the enemy. I thought, what a great picture, because I don't know about you, I find it really helpful to have kind of pictures to help me understand what I'm doing. So now when I'm praying for things, I sometimes feel like, okay, I'm, I'm praying here and I'm seeing like the arrow going into the you know, the angelic forces that are fighting on our behalf so that they can shoot it at the enemy. And I think that's what's happening when we, we're praying. Our prayers literally are being amplified through our fasting. It brings that urgency to, to, to praying um, so that we see the enemy being defeated by the angelic having um, the extra resources that they need. Matthew 11 verse 12 says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You know, there is something, isn't there, about, you know, we, we, talk, a, well, we talk a lot about um, the kingdom of God being peaceful 
and, um, you know, this kingdom of, of peace and joy. And that is absolutely true. But when it comes to contending, there's a violence, there's a, there's a arm that we have to do. I don't know how else to explain it, that we, we have to kind of get hold of. And it is an area of mystery. I don't know that I fully understand it because, you know, I, I don't. I, 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 I want to be honest. I know that God is an absolutely loving God, yet we're in this spiritual battle and somehow our, our, our fasting and prayers amplifies, our fasting amplifies our prayers. I don't get all of that, but it works. Yeah. It absolutely works. And we see this biblical pattern for it in Daniel 9. Daniel prays and fasts for the restoration of Jerusalem. Or in Acts 9, where Saul prays and fasts before Ananias prays for him and he then gets his sight back. There's absolutely no doubt that it brings breakthrough. Arthur, my favourite author at the moment, also said, if you have been brought low through personal defeat, if there is a call in your soul to a deeper purifying, to a renewed consecration, if there is the challenge of some new task for which you feel ill-equipped, then it is time to inquire of God whether he would not have you separate yourself unto him in fasting. So how many of us know personal defeat? How many of us feel called to a deeper purifying or renewed consecration? How many of us feel a challenge and a new task ahead? So maybe this is a time we should be fasting. We're called to fasting. So I want to challenge you to join me to trying to fast a couple of times a week, not out of some religious duty. This is not a should. I don't want you to do it out of guilt. You need to do it out of like you're an absolutely loved, treasured child of God, and he's inviting you into a deeper place. So I'm not asking you because you have to, but I'm asking you if you feel stirred to, to join me. And it may be at first all you can do is miss one meal. You know, maybe it's, it's just even breakfast, like the littlest meal of the day. <laughs> maybe that's all you can do without for the moment. But just maybe to start doing it twice a day, twice a week. And then, and then maybe, you know, in a few weeks' time, you might be able to do breakfast and lunch. And then maybe in a few months after that, you might be able to do breakfast, lunch, and, and tea and miss the whole day worth. But I, I just want to encourage us. Today is about, I, I want to inspire you and encourage you to start. Because I know that when, when I fast and I give that time to him to pray and to really go after him, I do see greater breakthrough. I, it feels like it clears the decks. And it doesn't make any sense because I, I don't like it. I have to say, you know, I haven't got to the place in fasting where I'm like, yeah, this is wonderful. I have to say, the more I do it, the easier I find it. Like when I'm in a good routine, the, the, I find it easier. When I lose it, for whatever reason, I find it harder to get back, back into the routine. So there is definitely something about the routine of it actually helps you. Um, but I do find like I, I feel closer to him. It feels like my prayers are heard more. It feels like I see greater breakthrough. And I know, yeah, I'm sat here with my two broken feet. So you could say, well, but Liz, you, ha you still haven't got your, your feet healed. I know. <laughs> but it's amazing how many people I've prayed for and I've seen them healed. I don't get it. But I know that when, <laughs> but when I fast, do I, I know I see more. I see more breakthrough. And so I feel like this is the bit for us as a church that we need to get hold of. So I want to leave us with this thought, not to condemn us, 
but to inspire us. And to be honest with one another, I don't want us to go around with sackcloth and ashes and saying to everybody, oh, I've fasted today, look at me, oh, look, I've fasted. But I do want us to be honest with each other because one of the things that we'll maybe do one week is just have a discussion about, well, how did I manage to fast? And you know, what are the things that we found helpful in fasting? So be prepared for that at some point, we will have a discussion about how easy or hard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the question was about how do you move from being in the, like that religious mindset of like I should fast to um, a healthy mindset of this is an invitation that he's inviting us into this deeper relationship with him and we want to have that deeper relationship. I would say, you know, honestly, Anna, I'm still working this out. I'm still working out what that means because, you know, from my background, you know, a lot of Christian practices were very much about you should do. And I know that if I do anything about that, so I, one of the, then that's not good and that's not healthy. So one of the things that I do, like if I get up in the morning and I'm like, okay, today, so I, I, I try, as I say, I've been trying to do it twice a week. And if, if I get up in the morning and I just check my heart and I'm like, Jesus, you know, am I okay today to fast? Like, you know, this, and especially this week, I've been really asking because I've been like extra tired because my body's obviously healing and putting a lot of effort into trying to heal my feet and um, so I've been like Jesus is this okay what should I do today and I just try and really listen to him and so like I've just missed one meal I've done that twice this week I've just missed breakfast two days a week and um, but I just tried to listen to him but then I've not let myself off either because I think that's what I've done in the past is I've kind of gone oh I'm a young mum and I'm busy and da, 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 da. and I've kind of gone oh well if you don't have to do it doesn't matter it doesn't matter um, and I, I realise that that's not been a healthy attitude either. So I think keeping your heart like really tuned into like what he's saying through that. And every time I feel hunger pangs, which I do, um, I just I kind of go to him and I'm just like Jesus. I'm hungry for you. I want you more than food. Like I really want food at the moment, but I want you more than that. And I just try and let it drive me to him to what he he wants but it, it is a journey Anna I'm not saying that I've got all the answers and I think when we have our discussions at some point in the future I'm hoping that others will share some helpful things as well do you want to add something Stuart? Um, I mean, obviously listen I've been trying to do this and it is a real challenge the thing I find helpful is I mean this is my core value anyway is I'm thankful so I, I start with I am so thankful that I've got food that I can stop eating I'm so thankful. So sometimes I, would like, I, I will go and stand in front of the fridge, open the door and be like, I am thankful for every item of food in this fridge, which I am not going to eat. Because it's that. It's, this isn't out of trying to persuade you. I, I can't put your arm behind your back, God. That's stupid. But what I can show you is love. And my love starts from thankfulness. So I just, I will literally think I'm thankful for all this food that I'm not going to eat. And that it helps me align into I'm not doing it out of you know religious work or or anything like that. So that I mean, that's one of the things I do. Yeah, yeah. And I just keep checking my heart of like Jesus. I'm not that I'm not going into that place of thinking that I'm trying to persuade God. I'm staying in that place where my prayers are amplified and they're 
I literally just try and think about my, my prayers being like arrows into the angel's backpack um, into his, uh, so that then the angels can use it. But I know that God is going, I want to answer this prayer. So I, I just keep checking my heart out about, about that. And, you know, I listened, to, obviously, to what Evelyn said, and she preached a super powerful sermon a, a couple of weeks ago. And it is an absolute challenge. But I think this next, I want to tie what she said in with what I'm about to say. And this next quote from Arthur, um, who says it way better than I do, I think really helps us kind of understand why we, if we, go, if we want the power that Evelyn was talking about, then we maybe need to do some of the things that Jesus did in order to move to there. And he says in his book, God's Chosen Fast, how can we recover apostolic power while neglecting apostolic practice? How can we expect the power to flow if we do not prepare the channels? Mm. Fasting is a God-appointed means for the flowing of his grace and power that we can afford to neglect no longer. I just found that a huge challenge. I mean, I sat and read that quote about a dozen times. How can we recover apostolic power while neglecting apostolic practice? How can we expect the power to flow if we do not prepare the channels? Fasting is a God-appointed means for the flowing of his grace and power that we cannot afford to neglect any longer. Well, that's our challenge, church. We don't want to neglect it any longer. We don't want to be a church that talks about healing and seeing power, but only seeing it at this level. When God's inviting us up here, yeah. come up higher. That's one of the words that we had earlier in the year was about come up higher, come up higher. Well, how do we come up higher? We do what Jesus did and Jesus fasted. Let's pray. Yeah, so Father God, I thank you that you are inviting us into a place of greater power, of seeing greater breakthrough, that that's your heart's desire. You want to see all saved. You, when people came to you, all were healed. And Jesus, when people come to us, they're not all saved and they're not all healed. And we don't perfectly represent you, but we want to do. We want to represent you way more than we do at the moment. We want people to encounter you, Jesus, when they encounter us. So, Jesus, we want to do what you did, but we do struggle with it. And we have our weird Western mindset that blocks us from stepping into these things easily. So, Jesus, do what you need to do in our heart as a church so that we can be a people who come allowing you to use fasting as a way where you amplify your grace and your power to flow through us. Yeah. So Holy Spirit, we just ask, would you give us the strength and the ability to commit to doing this and it not just be a thing that we choose to do for a couple of weeks and then we kind of forget about it because it's too tough, but where we commit to doing it so that we grow in you. Because Jesus, we want more of you. And we know that you're here, but we want more of you here. Yeah. And I just feel that he's saying that maybe like if you've been taught badly about fasting or had fasting modeled to you badly in the past, then maybe it's just time to kind of forgive those people. So I'll just lead you through that. So Father God, today we forgive any bad teaching um, we've had about fasting in the past that has made it feel like we have to go on hunger strike to somehow beg you to do something that you don't really want to do anyway. 
And so we forgive those who've maybe unwittingly taught that. And um, Father God, we release those people from any unforgiveness that we've had towards them. Yeah, and so Father God, we just give to you today. So just think about all your kind of maybe misconceptions about fasting and um, put those in your hands. All those misconceptions that you've maybe had about fasting being a kind of hunger strike or fasting being too difficult or you, you get, you know, if you fast TV, it's okay. That's enough of a fast. And put all those misconceptions in your hands. And I just want you to kind of give them to him. So, Father God, today we choose to give you all our misconceptions about fasting. All the ways that we've had um, skewed ways of thinking about this area. And Jesus, we hand them to you, our skewed ways of thinking. So Jesus, what do you want to give us in return for our, our skewed ways of thinking right now? What do you give us as a church and what do you want to give us as individuals? And just listen to what he's saying to you. Yeah, so Jesus, I thank you that when you ask us to do something, you always give us your Holy Spirit to be able to actually put it into practice. We don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to muster up enough striving to make it happen. But actually, you give us the grace and the ability to do it. So this week, I pray that you give each one of us the grace and the ability to fast and to use that time to pray and to listen to you instead. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay, so more on this the next time I speak. Who knows when that will be? Um, if you've got questions, do come and ask me. I know there's lots of things that I haven't covered today. Um, do come and ask me and I'll do my best to answer them. But as I say, I'm on a journey with this, so I'm not necessarily going to have all the answers.